It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. I am closing it down here. Final day in Indianapolis. Uh, we wrapped up interviews with the wide receivers this morning, and that is going to be a big part of today's episode as we dive into some of the realistic options, maybe some of the movers, the risers, and the fallers. And listen, they're going to test tomorrow. Things are going to change probably a half a dozen more times over the course of the next few months. But, you know, I've finally taken my deep dive into this receiver class, Brian, got a chance to meet with some of them today. So we'll kind of discuss some of the takeaways from that and uh, where things shake, shape up at this point. And I'm excited about that, Matt, because everyone knows wide receiver is one of, you know, Buffalo's top priorities, whether that be in free agency or the draft and, with limited capital to use in free agency, you would think that a wide receiver would be a priority in round one or round two of the draft. Yeah, it's it's got to be a priority, and I th- think the way you get there, there, there's multiple ways. I don't I don't think it necessarily has to be at 28, but I think there's going to potentially be an exciting option there when we get there. And you know, I think the two people that I had circled, you know, uh, multiple times on my uh, interview timesheet today was Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU, who we got a chance to speak to, and then Troy Franklin. We're going to get into both of these guys. But I want to start with Franklin because, to me, he was the biggest winner from my perspective. You know, I, I, two years ago, it's, it's a dangerous game, right? Like, you talk to these guys, you get a bit invested in their story, you know, whether it's, you know, the conversations they have with NFL, NFL teams and what the, the feedback is there. Um, and so you, you kind of got to treat this, you know, with a, tr- with a grain of salt. But at the same time, I remember just absolutely being blown away by Trent McDuffie two years ago when we yeah. talked to him in Indy. And it was the way that he talked about the game. It was the way that, um, you know, how collected he was with his thoughts, the composure that he showed, because this is a stressful environment for all these guys. And it's, and it's different for everybody. So anybody that kind of rises to the, ca- the occasion in that department stands out. And I thought Tro- Troy Flank- Franklin was loose and we got some really good nuggets from him 
Joe Brady at LSU a few years ago when he was uh, a senior in high school was recruiting Troy Franklin to come to LSU. He ended up going to Oregon, but the two of them this week, as they had a formal meeting here, discussed uh, what that process was like. And now four years later, five years later, how he's going to potentially fit into the Bills scheme if that ends up being a fit and he's the draft pick. I thought that was a really interesting piece of information that you kind of add into the mix because we've talked about Franklin now for about a month in terms of the skill set that he brings, the potential deep ball threat that he is, and that seems to me like the missing piece to Joe Brady's puzzle in this offense. Yeah, and and listen, everything with the draft comes down to relationships, comes down to who you know. Uh, you look at some of the relationships Sean McDermott has with certain college coaches and how that's linked up with some of the prospects that they've added over the years. And now you have Joe Brady, who already knows a lot about Troy Franklin and you know what makes this kid tick. And he can go back to recruiting him and, and share his thoughts on uh, what he got to know about that about Troy Franklin during that point in time with Sean McDermott, with Brandon Bean. It gives the Bills another layer, uh, another element in terms of what do we know about this kid? How how safe is he as a prospect? Uh, no ish, no character issues with him, obviously. But any extra information that you can delve into with these prospects will help you out. And obviously, Joe Brady has that. And then, like you said, Matt, in terms of a prospect and what they're looking for, Troy Franklin checks a lot of boxes. He went from uh, 11 yards per catch one year to 14 to 17 this year. He finished with 14 touchdowns in Oregon. A uh, thousand yard receiver has the speed is an outside receiver, good size. The only, you know, check against him would probably be his blocking because of his, his frame, his weight. And, and that's okay because he adds that deep ball element. Like you said, something that this offense has been missing. Yeah. And I think the, the, the guy that you're targeting here with this kind of value pick, like, you know, a day one, day two pick, I, I'm not, prioritizing blocking because you, you've seen the Bills be able to kind of acquire that player in free agency. I mean, Trent Sherfield is going to be out there. He obviously loves uh, the, the experience with Buffalo, and that says a lot considering it probably wasn't the role that he originally envisioned. Uh, if you want to get into comps, I think there's a couple of interesting things with Franklin. Uh, Lance Zerline, who has been doing this for quite a long time, his dad was uh, an NFL scout and, and coach, I, I believe, uh, I think his comps are usually really, really um, practical. And the one that he has for Franklin is Chris Olave, which I think, you know, you mm. rewind the clock a couple of years here, Ryan. Bills fans were, were were clamoring for the potential to get a Chris Olave yeah. to be in range, and that just didn't end up happening. And I think with Franklin, I think he's even more of a, of a deep threat than Olave, the long speed. He was asked about um, – running tomorrow uh, here with the 40-yard dash. And he said he's aiming to hit the four threes if he gets a good start, more so probably in the four fours. But still, like, he's basically guaranteeing you a low four four number. And that's, you know, if he doesn't get a good start off the line. I, I think he he checks a lot of boxes, to your point. And again, the most impressive interview for me of the receiver group. Yeah, and another comparison that I saw for him, which some Bills fans wouldn't t take necessarily as a compliment, is Darius Slayton. Slayton, big frame, fast receiver. Slayton ran a 4.39 at the Combine a few years ago. Uh, so similar speed. Uh, I, I think that Franklin may be in the right offense. If he gets drafted right away, will end up being a much more accomplished receiver in the league. But Slayton's flashed at times in his career with the Giants and 
you know, the quarterback situation there hasn't been ideal for him either to show what he can do in terms of his skill set. So Olave, though, really like that comparison to Slayton from a speed perspective and, you know, the, the size perspective. So, so some interesting comparisons, to say the least. Uh, let's go to Brian Thomas, because I feel like if, if I was doing put all of the mock drafts that I've seen through the process into a blender, uh, and asked it to, you know, kind of see which one pops out the most or some kind of like mechanism. Brian Thomas has been absolutely uh, a, a huge hit for mock drafters to the Bills. And it's it's not hard to see why. I mean, he's he's productive. He scored a lot of uh, touchdowns. He um, he does a lot of different things. He's a good route runner. He's got some speed. He's got some size. There's a lot to like about the player. It was an interesting line today from Malik Neighbors, his teammate. Uh, when asked to give the scouting report on Thomas. And, you know, this is the first thing that I've seen that I haven't necessarily loved. He said, he's a freak of nature. Then he added this line. I know a lot of people think he doesn't love the game of football, but he is a freak athlete. So he brought that up, which was super strange. And then he didn't come back and say, no, 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 he does love the game of football. And, you know, getting a chance to talk to Thomas, you don't want to overreact to this too much, but he was very um, reserved, very kind of just, um, he's short with his answers. And, um, at the end of the day, they got to play football. So, it, you know, you, you, you fl- throw on the tape and he's really an exciting player. I just thought that was kind of like an interesting little nugget there that it's like, I haven't even heard that from anybody about, about Thomas and neighbors kind of just threw it out there. You almost have to wonder if teams have heard things and maybe in interviews it gets brought up and that was his teammate kind of saying, Hey, let, let's put a pause in this. He does love football. He's a great athlete. Uh, but you're right. You search that anything that you've seen on social media, there's nothing necessarily stating that he doesn't love the game of football. So, you know, you don't want to say it's a throwaway line, but it's definitely a bizarre line that you're hoping you can elaborate upon. Uh, he met with the Bills on Wednesday. Brian Thomas did. So obviously on their radar and he's somebody that, you know, there, there's a wide range to where he could go. There, there's an outside chance he could be there at 28. There's also a chance he can go in the top 15 and be long gone by the time the Bills pick. And I think if Thomas goes top 15, top 18, you're probably looking at five wide receivers gone before the Bills pick at 28. And so now it's about who's that fifth wide receiver if Thomas ends up being the fourth. Uh, we're going to get into a couple of possibilities here in a few moments. But then you start to talk about, okay, where does the aggressive level need to be for Brandon Bean? Or do you like that next, you know, pocket of, of, of wide receivers? That's something that we're going to really dive into over the next couple of months. That's the tough part, because like you said, a lot of mock drafts uh, have Brian Thomas Jr. as the number four wide receiver in the draft class, and he is going as high as pick 15 in some of these mocks. So if that's the case, you would have to think that somewhere from 16 to 27, another team is going to take a wide receiver. Maybe it's a, Troy Franklin, a Keon Coleman, a Lad McConkey. Uh, there's a lot of different guys there, but the Bills have to sit there and say, which one of these guys actually fits our system? And then at the same time, are we getting good value at 28 in one of those receivers or someone else that we haven't mentioned yet? Or would we be right, better off with a one of these freak athletes at defensive tackle at uh, defensive end? Because again, the D-line is a massive need for this team. D-tackle, they're very thin at that position right now in terms of expiring contracts. Uh, Edge, they could be losing A.J. Epinesa. They could be losing Leonard Floyd. So those are other positions of need. And I know fans, some fans, don't want to hear, oh, defense again in round one. But 
if four or five receivers have gone before pick 28, are you really that comfortable saying wide receiver six is better than edge rusher three or four or a guy that's just a great fit scheme wise to what the bills are doing? The next guy I want to talk about is Keon Coleman, because I feel like right now, if you talk about like all the guys that are getting a lot of buzz, he to me is the most polarizing. Like there's people that are super high on his mm-hmm. game. And there, then there are those that are kind of throwing um, a little bit of water uh, on the, uh, uh, the draft stock uh, of Coleman. And I want to read uh, the weaknesses that Zerline points out um, in his assessment over at NFL.com. Press coverage can blanket his release uh, and catch a ride. Uh, below average acceleration getting out of breaks and cuts, which is a huge red flag for me. Because as a route runner, a guy being able to separate is number one priority because of what we kind of witnessed with Gabe Davis at times. Could struggle finding separation to avoid excess, excessive contested catches. And a lot of times when guys are great contested catch artists, it's because they're not getting that kind of separation. So that's an issue. Needs to play through downfield uh, corners to secure catch base and capable of being a much more effective run blocker. So he struggles in that department as well. So here's the thing with Coleman. Met with the Bills this week, raved about the meeting. And you know, actually took us into the meeting a little bit saying that um, they asked him how he would be coming into the situation if he had to kind of take a back seat from the jump to say a Stefan Diggs, who's already that established number one. He said, that's great. Uh, I don't need to take the wheel when I walk in day one. I can kind of sit back, learn from Diggs, be a sponge. And then when it's time for me to take the wheel, uh, it's going to go crazy is the word that he said. But this is a guy, not a lot of super explosive plays, uh, has made some uh, highlight reel catches. Uh, but I don't know if necessarily that's the path I'd go if I was the Bills, especially drafted in round one. Yeah, you know, he uses basketball to kind of create some separation at times, but it is a struggle for him. He's used basketball to kind of help him transition his game as a football player. There are some positives about him. I still think he is uh, scratching the surface on what he can become. He's still 20 years old. He'll turn 21 in May. Uh, I like Keon Coleman, the prospect. I don't love Keon Coleman, the prospect. I don't know if he is someone I would feel comfortable with at pick 20. He's a guy that if he fell into the second round, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the Bills trade up a little bit to go in and get him. Uh, I think that the the talent at that point is worth the risk. But at pick 28, you're right. There's a lot of people that are high on him. There are some that uh, aren't necessarily as high. They don't see him as a first-round prospect. But the same can be said for Troy Franklin. I've seen Troy Franklin going in round two in some mock drafts. Uh, a lot of these guys are all over the place right now. And I think, like you said, tomorrow when they test, uh, as we get closer here to the draft, as we see what uh, what gets addressed in free agency by teams in picks you know, one through 27, we'll have a better feel on what teams are going to do in front of the Bills and what their number one priorities are. But you know, there's certainly some some good things to Coleman's game that has him as that borderline first, second round pick. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is somebody that wasn't really on my radar before getting to the combine. And, you know, you start to hear the name Xavier Worthy thrown around a little bit. Then you get a chance to talk to him uh, out of Texas. And it's funny because I've heard more about his teammate, Adani Mitchell. We talked a little bit about him uh, this week with uh, Chris Trapasso, uh, when I caught up with him, but worthy is really interesting because frame wise, he's actually a perfect comp to his idol, which was Deshaun Jackson. 
has mm-hmm. some crazy blazing speed and is prob is aiming to run in the four twos tomorrow. And if that happens, the draft stock is definitely going to be going up. But he's a guy like a little bit of a, on this. What's that? Oh, I just went like through the roof. If you run through a roof. a four two nine or a four, you know, he was timed at four two nine in high school. Uh, but maybe he's improved on that with technique. But yeah, if he runs at that time, you're going to see his stock soar. Yeah, and so like I'm. Very intrigued by this player because of what he kind of could be. Um, I don't know if it's the perfect fit. And I want to talk about, I mean, we could kind of nestle this in at this point. You know, I was having a bunch of conversations in Indianapolis over the last couple of days. And, you know, one of the guys that I thought for the Bills coming up in free agency that was probably going to be gone was Deontay Hardy because the Bills could add $5 million in salary cap space by moving on in another direction. He just wasn't used a ton last year. But, you know, it's interesting. The more and more you talk about him, you know, with people around the league, the more it's just like they just couldn't figure it out. Joe Brady halfway through the season took over and probably wasn't going to change things too drastically. He goes back to New Orleans, Deontay Hardy does. And when he was in New Orleans, guess who was his wide receivers coach? Ronald Curry, who's now the Bills quarterbacks coach. And so you wonder if, you know, there's belief in the building and what Hardy can be. And maybe that to you is the version of a, like a Xavier uh, worthy that you don't have to go out and get that guy. You have Hardy on the roster already. He can return punts. You bring him back. I know the money is there, but maybe there's a plan to use him in the offense a little bit more. And then you still go out and get the receiver. Uh, maybe just a little bit different version. I wasn't at Xavier Leggett today or uh, in Malachi Corley who, um, getting a lot of Debo Samuel comps out of him. And he's somebody that we talked about recently. Daniel Jeremiah was huge on him at the senior bowl. I thought he was going to be more of a specific slot player. It seems like that's the big talking point this week is like all the guys that you think were specifically slot players are doing all they can to tell you that they're not including Ladd McConkey, who we'll talk about in a second, but how do you figure all of that? Because if, if Hardy returns, I think that's a huge piece of the puzzle you know, I don't think they're going to be nearly as aggressive in free agency. I think they're going to rely on the draft, maybe getting two guys that way. And if he comes back, I don't think the need necessarily is there at receiver with Shakir already kind of in place as a slot. Yeah, listen, that's a lot to unpack because you still wonder, like, who's your number two then? But Deontay Hardy, in terms of the skill set, it was baffling at times last year why he wasn't on the field more, getting more opportunities um, and, and we saw flashes here and there, and there was a game where the, he was targeted deep downfield, uh, Jacksonville, I believe, and he, and he pulled in a big catch. It's like, why isn't this guy being used like that more during the season? And it just wasn't happening before, wasn't happening after on a consistent basis. But you look at his film in New Orleans, and when he was healthy, he was making a lot of big plays down the field, stretching the field. He can punt, uh, return punts. You know, if he's maybe, especially if he's willing to take a pay cut of sorts to stay on this Bills roster, knowing how deep this wide receiver draft class is, knowing that there's still going to be a good amount of wide receivers on the market, or if the Bills were to part ways with him, maybe he wouldn't be able to come close to the amount of money or uh, that he could still get in Buffalo with a, a new deal or a rework deal. Maybe that does make sense because Xavier Worthy, you know, 6'1, uh, 170 some pounds there is a little bit of an overlap in terms of the skill set there. He's another guy that can return punts. He's another guy that has that blazing speed, but you've already seen that the Bills struggled to utilize that last year. And maybe that's not a Joe Brady problem. Maybe that was more of a Ken Dorsey problem. And, and maybe 
Brady does have a plan for Hardy or a worthy type of player uh, if there's someone with that kind of speed in this offense. But, yeah, you're trying to find someone whose skill set you don't have right now. And I don't know if worthy at this point in time uh, it would be the best option for that. But if Hardy goes, well, then, yes, there, there's a lot of uh, there's there's a case to be made, I guess, in terms of trying to pursue him in the draft. Um. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. McConkey is next, and I feel like there's, you know, this is a guy that blew up at the Senior Bowl, and everybody's kind of was talking about him. He comes to Indianapolis, and, uh, you know, some draft analysts argue, I think it's Matt Miller who's been saying, like, I don't know why there's not more first-round buzz on the guy he's arguing that he's not just a slot player. And it, even if he's not just a slot player and he's going to play on the outside too, I don't think he's going to be strictly outside, which is where I'm a little bit more hesitant to go in that direction, Ryan. We, we shared a, a few text messages on, on Khalil Shakir earlier this afternoon. And I went back and looked at his usage down the stretch. And we're talking about nine of his last 12 games. He had 20 or more snaps in the slot. He ended up playing let me just bring up the final number here because it was pretty uh, large. Shakir played 476 of his 900 uh, of his 798 snaps in the slot. So well over 50% uh, was used in the slot. So I don't know if the Bills are going to use a day one pick on a player who's coming into a spot where they've already kind of etched out a position for a guy that's currently on the roster. Yeah, I like McConkey. I like his skill set. I think he is a receiver that can, um, you know, be a, a Julian Edelman. A and that's not a great comparison, but a guy that can come in and catch a hundred passes and and in the right offense and uh, move the chains for a team, like, kind of like a, what a you saw from a Puka Nakua and and right. a Cooper Cup and, and things like that. But I, I don't know if that's what the Bills need, like you said. They really like Khalil Shakir. They're high on Khalil Shakir, and Shakir gave them a lot of reasons to be high on him this season. Uh, good hands, making plays after the catch, uh, stepping up and arguably being their best receiver down the stretch for this for this team late in the year and in the playoffs. So you, you don't want to have another guy, especially a first-round pick, that is going to, to cut into those snaps in the slot. Uh, then you have two guys who can they really consistently win on the outside in McConkey and Khalil Shakir? And right now, I don't know the answer to that. I think there are some just better receiver prospects in terms of pure outside receivers that the Bills should be targeting more than a McConkey. And that's not just in the draft, also in free agency if the price is right. It, it just feels like too much of a too many cooks in the kitchen, too many guys that can do the same thing, too many. Uh, of similar skill set type of players, and you're better off finding someone that you feel comfortable with developing and playing purely or mostly on the outside. All right, let's change gears here. Before we do, a couple of items to get into, Ryan. We have a lot of big business to cover that's happening over the next couple of months. We are going back to Wing Nuts uh, uh, March 16th. Uh, I think it is going to be 6 p.m. is the usual time. We usually get there, set it up. 
probably go live with the show at about seven o'clock. Uh, come out, Wing Nuts, fourteen oh two Millersport Highway. We absolutely can't wait for this one. It's going to be super fun. Yeah, always a great time. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some pre-St. Patrick's Day shenanigans going on. And Wingnuts always has outstanding specials as well. Join us 316 day at Wingnuts uh, for some Bills talk, some free agency talk, a little bit of draft talk mixed in. Uh, you won't regret it. Then we'll be at a new location inside the Whirly Golf Dome, Two Nines Kitchen, uh, right inside the bar. We are going to be there on April 4th going to be a big draft spectacular if you will early april month draft spectacular we will get up there hang out uh come out uh we'll, we'll get a time to you as we get closer to the event but i wanted to make sure it's on everybody's radar so that you can kind of mark off that date it is a wednesday night i, I believe it's uh during spring break so come on out if you got the, some time off or if you're just looking to come out on a weekday night that one's going to be really fun we're excited to get there ryan Really excited about this new venue, this new relationship. Uh, can't wait because, uh, again, by that point, we'll know some of the key free agents that the Bills have brought in. We'll have a better idea, a clearer picture of what their targets are going to be uh, in the draft this year. So join us, new location, uh, live show. You're right, spring break. Come on out. No excuse not to join us on that Wednesday night. Um, the one thing I'll add on uh, McConkie before we move over to – um, the safeties is uh, the bills are going to have to make a decision on, you know, what, th what they see as a player that can give them that elusive yards after catch, right? It's one of the big reasons they brought in Hardy last year. And I think like, although he works in the short area of the field and, you know, uh, although Chris Trapasso said that McConkie can win deep too, which is maybe not prevalent on his tape over and over again, but it's there and he does have some speed. I'll be watching to see how he runs tomorrow, but got, wide receivers come in all different shapes and sizes. And I think if you have the ability to kind of move, oh, is that a cat? Yeah, nice. that's midnight. He's, it's always one animal that's uh, interrupting these live shows. He's a big boy. Not, he is an extra big boy, man. <laughs> You have he does not go to bed hungry. I like that. Yeah, he's he's uh a little about 20 pounds, so he's a he's a meatball for sure. There you go. I love it. Um so okay. McConkey in the short area. If you're gonna get the ball to him, what do you think about him as like a yards after catch player? Because if he offers that to your Puka Nakua point, that's something that could be interesting. I do think that Shakir kind of falls into that role as well, though. I thought Shakir got better as the year went on in terms of the yards after the catch. Uh, you saw some great examples of it, and, and one was just a spectacular play in that Pittsburgh playoff game where he was able to kind of stop and uh, not touch the ground and, and get into the end zone on a play like that. But he, he's kind of really made that a habit. But, yeah, yards after catch is something this offense has been missing. But going back to another receiver we previously talked about, Troy Franklin, I thought that was an area where he really improved uh, this season. So, Yards after catch should be a priority in terms of what these prospects can do, but it's just one small piece to the puzzle, and that's what makes it so interesting because that's why I love after the draft when we get those interviews and we get to see the you know the embedded series and we and we get a good idea of why they fell in love with these prospects. But yeah, yards after catch should be one of the the bigger areas that the Bills are looking to address, whether it's with their first receiver that they select or even a, a one later on that they may select. All right, let's go to the safety position and the place that we're going to start is we're going to go to the U, Miami University, which I think is, 
interesting because we talk about co uh, coaches and, and having previous experience with these prospects. And you have Jamil Adai, who's now the cornerbacks coach for the Bills, who was the defensive backs coach last season with Miami. Uh, Cameron Kitchens, uh, who played at safety there. I think pretty much everybody agrees here in Indianapolis that he is the top safety in this class. I, I think that he's probably a little bit more of a Micah Hyde style player than Jordan yeah. Poyer, but it just so happens that that's the guy that's not currently under contract. And you start to look at what this could look like. It makes a lot of sense. He said, he, you know, he idolized Mike, Micah Hyde. He said that play that he made in the Patriots game was one of the most unbelievable things that he's ever seen. Uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was pretty funny. Kinchins was really impressive and somebody that, you know, I think a lot of people are talking about on social media about him going potentially at 28. I think that's, I don't think you have to go that early on a safety. I think we're at the point now with the, with that position, it, the run starts probably in the second round and there's a world we could live in where there's not a safety that comes off the board, even before the bills pick in the second round. I think you get patient. And if you really love the player, if he checks every box, Maybe you want to trade back at 28, not too far, like go back 10 spots maybe, get the receiver, whoever it ends up being, if, 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 you, if it's in range and you like the guy that you're getting, and then maybe be aggressive with the capital that you get to go up in the second and go get Kinchins. And then all of a sudden you've got the receiver that you want, the safety that you want. Now you're off to the races. You can kind of address some of those other positions later in, in the draft. Yeah, listen, Cam Kinchin, I, I'm glad you said it. I don't think there is a prospect of the safety position that Bills fans need to be clamoring for at pick 28. I, I think in round two, trading up in round two slightly to get a, a player like that, yes, that all makes sense. But we have seen the best safeties in, in the draft class as Brian Branch last year, for instance, uh, fall into round two because it's, it's one of those devalued positions in the draft, kind of like what running back has become on the offensive side of the ball. So I think that if you can get him in round two, you're thrilled as the Bills. Again, though, is that going to be a top priority for them, or is it going to be a defensive tackle, an edge rusher? There's so many needs right now, but Kinchins is a great prospect. He is someone that you would feel confident being able to start right out of the gate with a Jordan Poyer, uh, learn on the fly, be an asset to the back end, which – you know, throughout Sean McDermott's tenure, that has been the strongest part of this defense. And I don't think he'd be missing much, uh, minus the leadership perspective that Hyde brought, obviously. But Hyde looked a step slower this year from an athletic perspective. In terms of on-field play, you you really can't go wrong if you were to replace him with a, a Cam Kinchins. And, like, what have we heard all week long? We talked about it earlier in the week at safety, at safety position for Brandon Bean. It's like they want instincts, right? They want guys that come out there at that spot specifically and kind of play with their natural ability instead of reacting to everything. And to me, that's what kind of separates Kinchins here as we look at, you know, his production from the last two seasons has been absolutely outstanding. He had nine interceptions, uh, or 11 interceptions, excuse me, uh, over the last two seasons, 11 passes defense, a uh, couple of fumble recoveries. I mean, he is around the football. He makes plays. And that's the guy to me that you're going to reach a little bit on maybe in the draft to go out and get a guy on a rookie contract and give yourself that fifth year option. If you think he has the chance to become that really elite player, that's what I might consider a first round pick, even though I'm still a little bit uh, you know, wary at the idea of going that position just because the the value of that position there. 
this is a guy that I think a lot of people are excited about. Oh, 100% excited about the players' prospect. But there's also some really good safeties in free agency, and I wouldn't be shocked if one or two sat on the market longer than expected, and maybe the Bills uh, attack their need there, and then they don't feel it's as pressing of a need. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what their mindset at the end of the day because there there are some excellent day two options at safety, excellent defensive tackle options on day two, some really good edge rushers on day two, and some terrific wide receivers. So I'm looking forward to how do the Bills navigate these needs with their first three picks? Uh, What do they end up prioritizing the most? And free agency will probably give us a good hint on that, but we'll really see or get into their mindset in terms of what they do at 28 or if they stay put, if they get aggressive, if they trade back. Um, But I'm interested to see at the end of the day, what do they think was their most pressing need? Because there's quite a few. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeremy Chin, Darnell Savage, a couple suggestions here uh, from John Robert on Facebook. And I think those are two guys that are kind of on the the lower end. You see a guy like uh, Charles G mentions Kevin Beard. Uh, Byard gets cut today uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles after they traded for him last season. He's a veteran guy that maybe you can get on a, on a lower end one year deal if he wants to continue to play and maybe fit into a role. I don't know, you know, where he would fit in the Bills scheme. I'd have to kind of do a little right. bit more of a dive on that. But to your point, there's a ton of options and you can kind of you're going to see the Bills add somebody at that position. There's there's too much depth there. I don't think it's a position that gets overly paid, especially the older guys. Um, so I think you'll see somebody that they they kind of get in-house and then they can kind of pick and choose their way, but they haven't drafted a safety, they never really um, been willing to spend more than a day three pick at that position. And I feel like this is the year where maybe they, they finally, you know, update those, some of those draft lists, like at receiver where they haven't gone on, on the first three rounds and then it's safety. Yeah. Cam curls. Another guy that I really like at safety played in with the commanders, Ron Rivera's relationship with Sean McDermott's well-known uh, Sean McDermott could definitely get a, a good feel on, on Cam Curl, too, in, in terms of that. So there's some under-the-radar guys. There are some bigger names. There's going to be some pros, you know, some some players that still have some great upside there, too, that the Bills could really go after in free agency. So I wouldn't be shocked if they did address that. That doesn't necessarily mean that Cam Kinchins or some of these other top safeties are, are off the board or not a possibility on day two but it gives the Bills a little bit more flexibility in terms of who they can go after and uh, who they can target in the draft. Um, I want to get into one other safety that stood out. You know, There was one that I couldn't uh, talk to uh, while I was here, Tyler Newbin. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and try to watch. I, I tracked down his his interview, so I'll, I'll look into him and move into the, uh, to the draft process. He's really exciting uh, prospect as well. But I talked to Javon Bullard out of Georgia, and I thought he was super impressive. And to me, it's almost like Kinchins is that Micah Hyde comp, and Bullard is more of that Poyer comp. And he is willing to play really aggressively in the box. Like he's almost more of like a uh, a nickel corner. Like at one point in his interview, he said, "Like yeah, if I if I if I had to say one position that I kind of like, he likes blitzing. He likes being physical in the box, and so like." That reminds me of Porter, but he said he could play that deep part. He could play safety. He could kind of do whatever a team wants. So if you fall in love with the player, the traits, some of the instincts, which I thought he was interesting when he talked about those two, I posted that video on my Instagram account or my Twitter account. That's one that 
you know, I, I think about, but I just don't know if the the fit is there in terms of what the Bills are going to want to do at that spot. To me, I don't know. It just felt like there were more connected dots to Kitchens. Oh, absolutely, and rightfully so. But Bullard, you know, I love everything about his game. Uh, Jordan Poyer shouldn't scare off the Bills from going after another safety with a similar skill set because, as we know, this is likely Poyer's last ride with the Bills this upcoming season. So you, you do want to get someone in-house that you feel like can be the heir apparent is taking that player in round two or day two the best option, not necessarily when you have other needs. But we've also seen this Bills team draft for the future when they've had other pressing needs. And I, I know this year you, you sit there and you say, well, this year is a lot different in terms of uh, replacing a lot of free agents, replacing a lot of older players. But this is something the Bills have done. Do, you know, the linebackers they've taken the past few years where you thought, do they really need another linebacker? And we've seen how that's paid off for them. And I wouldn't be shocked, I guess, uh, if they did take the heir apparent for Poyer just based on the way their mindset has been in the draft room over the years. Mm -hmm. What do you got, Ryan? What do you want to finish off this episode here as I uh, kind of start to pack up here, get to the airport. I'm flying down to Orlando. Disney begins tomorrow. I'll be gone for a week. Uh, so no shout uh, for a couple of days, but we will come off, come back locked and loaded. Uh, hopefully on that Sunday, this, uh, March 10th, uh, where we will uh, really ramp up the free agent stuff. Yeah, and, and listen, Bills Mafia, I'm going to have a tracker that's going live this weekend and all the prospects that the Bills have met with. I, I don't want to downplay combine meetings, but teams meet formally with a lot of the big-name prospects. But it is an interesting piece to the puzzle because a lot of the times where you see, okay, the Bills draft player X, Y, or Z, they met at the combine, they had a top 30 or a private workout or a Zoom interview. So there are certain uh, things that you're looking for. And, and yes, the Bills are going to meet with a ton of prospects here at the combine, a lot that we already know. Uh, check out the tracker this weekend, though. It'll be live. It'll have some interesting tidbits in it. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye on nyup.com and syracuse.com. Let's bring this up real quick before we get out of here. Joseph Norris says, is it just me or am I the only one who is hopeful? I find that the Bills seem more stable now with their coaching staff, something that was a mess after Dable left. And I think this was interesting. I want to bring it up because talking to you know people around the league, media folks, uh, NFL folks, it does seem like Buffalo all of a sudden is the first time I felt like the perception is that that there's been a, a fallback, right? From like this, this group that was consistently one of the better um, rosters built in the NFL. I don't get the same sense that that's the case. And I do kind of agree with Joseph here in that if you look at their offense, they're bringing back virtually everybody. The only person that they're not probably going to bring back is Gabe Davis. And yeah. there's a potential that they can find a better fit at that spot. I know there's a lot of questions on the defense, but I think a lot of questions were answered last year with the way they found um, suitable fit-ins for guys that they had ready to go and, you know, missed a lot of time with injury. Yeah, I agree completely with that. We we saw the Terrell Bernard move payoff. We saw Taylor Rapp get better as the season went on. We, we've seen them bring in cornerback after cornerback and make it fit and make it work. Uh, rotations on the D-line and finding players late in free agency. I think that the Bills have earned the right to the benefit of the doubt. Uh, 
they every time that there's questions about this roster, they've been able to address it and address it well. And as long as you have Josh Allen, I feel like you have a real legitimate shot of making noise in the conference, even though the AFC keeps getting better and better with these young quarterbacks, these young rosters. Uh, I, I don't think that – I hope you're not the only one that's hopeful, Joseph, because I do think this is still – one of the best teams in the conference and a team that can legitimately make the Super Bowl in 2024. Jay says, my wife asked what I'm going to do without shout for a week. And we're so sorry to leave you hanging for a week, but I got to get down to Disney world. We've been planning this trip for over a year. My wife is, my wife was sick all week. Of course she gets sick every time that I go out of town like this for an extended period of time. And then she starts texting me every time. Every single time and everything just becomes chaos and she's trying to get everything ready and packing, bringing the kids down to Orlando. I'm actually flying right there and we're meeting there um, uh, tomorrow. And uh, but she's been planning this thing out and so excited about it. It's going to be uh, an awesome time because my my son's nine. My daughter turns six next weekend, uh, our final day at Magic Kingdom, and she's celebrating with uh, lunch with princesses. So it's going to be a big weekend. So awesome. Yeah, I love all the different character lunches you can do there and great ages for the kids. You're going to have a ball, obviously. And yeah, shout out to Caitlin. I mean, you see how meticulous she is in her planning. You see all the T-shirt designs that she's showing on social media. And I I love her warning that she gave out uh, today about, you know, her feed's going to be nothing but Disney here for the next week plus. So I'll be keeping an eye on it, following along like I'm there. All right, everybody, we'll see you in nine days. Enjoy um, all the rest of the Combine uh, this weekend. If you're watching on TV, all of the testing, we'll we'll be right back. It'll go by quick. We'll see you then.